Hello and welcome to E3, Energy and Efficiency with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This podcast is all about architecture, building science, and female entrepreneurship. So prepare to get nerdy. All right, so welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Casey Gray on, so I'm really excited to have some Canadian representation. So uh, Casey, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, your business, and what you've been up to? Uh, yeah, that's a long answer. Could be a long answer. <laughs> Try to do a quick summary. A uh, little bit of background on myself. Uh, I'm in Ottawa, Canada, so in the capital, and my background is in construction and my main business is the conscious builder. I say in main business because I'm involved with other businesses, then everything's kind of intertwined. Uh, I have grown to really love business, so I, I support my wife and her vision with her studio, uh, which is now virtual with everything that's happening with COVID-19. So it's meditation and wellness studio. Uh, and we have lots of other things going on that I won't necessarily get into here, but my main main uh, mission is with regards to the Conscious Builder and helping people understand, learn, build healthy, comfortable, and efficient homes. And we just passed 10 years actually last week, uh, so that was exciting, but I've been in construction in the Ottawa area for going on 17 years at this point, married, have one son. I tell people my son is my greatest teacher because he does what I do, not what I say. Uh, so if he has a bad habit, it's probably from me. Uh, so um, I'm learning every day, that's for sure. And yeah, what we've been up to, I think lately, uh, with everything that's been happening, actually, the last few months have probably been some of the best months, to be honest. You know, obviously, financially, we've all, we've been hit substantially, like the majority of people, but I've just been in a great mindset and we've just been creating and we've really upped all the content and stuff that we're doing on the Conscious Builder side with our YouTube and, and podcasts and live interviews. So it's been exciting because I've been extremely efficient and I've essentially been sitting here for three months. <laughs> I, I, um, I've had the opposite problem. Um, we had all of our projects continue to move forward, which is great. And, and it's a good position to be in, but I've also upped the content, done more with the podcast and done more with BS and beer. And so I've been really excited about everything that's come out. And I hope that there are a lot of people that are, taking this time to have a break and think more consciously. That's one of my biggest hopes is that coming out of this, you know, I hate hearing people say, let's get back to normal. I don't want to get back to normal. I want to make the new normal. And um, I'd love to have you expound a little bit on, you know, what conscious building means to you uh, in particular, because we've been talking through all the building science about um, not just energy efficiency, but connection with nature, preservation, um, existing buildings, new buildings, uh, carbon offsetting. And um, it's hopefully given us a time where we've, we've known that it was important, but everybody was really, really busy. So it was kind of one of those things where you're like, yeah, I know that's important, but I'm too busy to think about it now. And so hopefully with COVID, everybody slowed down at least a little bit to, to take a breather, um, minus me, but hopefully everybody else uh, has slowed down a little bit to take a breather and say, okay, what's really important? And um, we've been talking about it for a long time, but I, I have a tendency to fall too, too far into the technical side of it because I'm really interested in building science. And then kind of remembering the reasons why we do it and then talking about that. So, um, so when you say conscious building, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So the word conscious really came, uh, when my wife and I started a podcast probably six years ago at this point called the conscious living podcast. And we started, we're really into personal development. So conscious to, to myself, to my wife and where this came from for us, it's really just a state of being aware right? And everything we do at the Conscious Builder is custom, right? We're not doing the same thing over and over again. We don't have hundreds of homes that we're building. You know, we're working with clients and we're doing some small projects, but a lot of bigger projects. And we, you know, we have a few projects on the go at any given time, depending on the, the scale of them. And what I've come to realize after being in the industry for so long is that we're all different, right? And, and what's right for me isn't necessarily what's right for you. And to tell people that there's only one way to do something and that it has to be done that way is just not 
going to work. Uh, so where I see our role is to give our clients or people who are watching our videos, anybody who's wanting to listen to what we have to say, uh, all the information that we currently have so that they can make a conscious decision, right? So they, we need to make sure that they're aware of what the implications are and then they can decide. Uh, often, I think a lot of people are making decisions. Most of us, you know, outside of construction, we, we go through live, our lives unconsciously. We, we pick up habits unconsciously. The last three months, we've all picked up habits. Whether we're aware of them or not, we have picked up habits. They could be good. They could be bad. Once again, that's a whole other conversation, uh, what you define as good and bad. But if you are consciously, if you are aware of those things, you can start putting in a lot of uh, powerful uh things into your life, right? You can make a lot more powerful decisions that have a larger, uh, more positive impact on your life, on the environment, uh, on your health. Um, and those, that's what we're, we're really doing is just making sure that they can make that conscious decision. Does that mean that, you know, we, every house we build is straw bale homes or we haven't done any straw bale homes actually, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Are they all going to be passive? No, it, like it just, Financially, it might not make sense for somebody, but they're going to do what they can and they are aware of the decision that they're making, right? So um, that's, that's kind of the way we approach things is, is it's custom. We work for homeowners and uh, we understand that there is a, a different definition of sustainability, for example, for everybody. Yeah, no, and there's so much truth to that and awareness and, and education really is if you if you don't give people the tools to kind of evaluate what's important to them and to, to think about the awareness, then in my mind, I mean, that's why you're a builder. I'm an architect. That, that's our job is to, you know, provide that information to to someone so that they can make a decision. And in some cases in cold climates like where we live there are some decisions that have much larger impact over a length of time than they do in the upfront and some people will you know choose to only make a decision with no education on the financial implication on day one and it's kind of like when you start talking to them about like okay well after you move in day one it's going to cost you x y or z to live here or um you know maybe you don't maybe your your decision was the market told you you needed 2,500 square feet and we back up and we talk you through and, and you only need 1,700 square feet. Well, you know what? That in theory hopefully got more cost effective or gave you an opportunity to put more energy efficiency in or put solar panels on the roof, which might hit another target that you didn't even know you should be aware of. Um, so that's the thing I love right now is that there's so much content available for people and just trying to get the word out about what's out there, why we build the way we do, you know, why we approach it um, in a different way. Uh, it sounds like you have kind of a similar approach that I do is um, when people come to me, I'm not the architect that's like, you have to do it this way. I'm like, you have to live here. I don't have to live here. You have to live here. So, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, what works for you or what works for me, like we are, you know, we have, my husband and I, and we have a dog, like we don't have any kids. And so what we do with our space is different than what you would do with your space where you have a son. And it's like, you have to have kid spaces and kid friendly spots. You know, it's, they can't live in a museum or, um, you know, maybe if you're a single person, a tiny home might be perfect for you. But if you're, 65 and your tiny home is up a set of a ladder that, that might not be a good fit you know there's so many different ways to approach it and um you know i appreciate that you think about building in a different way um are you also doing a lot of the designing for your custom work or um do you work with other individuals integrated team you know how do you put together a house uh, we don't do any design. We stick to what we're good at. And uh, we, we're carpenters. I'm a carpenter by trade, although I don't swing the hammer very often anymore. Uh, the, we, we work with other people like yourself, right? So we have a few that we'd recommend um, that we've worked with uh, or they recommend us. And we kind of build those relationships uh, as opposed to just having it in-house. We, we did do it in-house for a little bit, but I realized that I can't train those people because I don't have that training, nor do I have the time, right? So um, 
So yeah, no, we're, we're, we're doing, we're, we reduce the integrated design process. You kind of alluded there too, right? So when a lot of people reach out to us first and they're like, well, you know, what are the next steps, right? And I'll refer, you know, based on their personality or what I'm picking up, you know, I'll say, well, I think you'd work well at this person, or maybe here's a few people reach out to them and see who you like. Ultimately we like to be involved in the design process but essentially I just get involved with the calls and I offer my input to make sure for the most part that things stay on budget and that the way it's being designed, it makes sense for constructability purposes. Cause obviously we've, we've had all sorts of amazing designs that come to you know, the classic cases. We get the design they say, well, here we want to build this house and here's our budget, right? And the design's up here and the budget's down here. And I say, well, uh, I don't even have to put a number together to know, to know that I can't do this for this price. Right. But if we were involved from the beginning, we could have helped. Uh, but people don't like to necessarily uh, commit to a contractor without seeing a price, uh, which I understand. Nope. Uh, that's why we do everything open book. So we just have fees, right? Here's our fees. We're going to share everything. Yeah. Whatever our cost is, we're going to show it to you. And you just know that you're going to pay our fee. And this is what I recommend you budget for what you're describing to me. We come in less, great. We come in more, I'll warn you when we're when we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh a huge proponent of picking a contractor during the design phase. I actually will not do bid work. Every once in a while, we have somebody that falls out for some reason, they can't take it on or something and we have to go to another contractor. But um, this is a big issue in our industry, which is that architects don't buy materials and every contractor is going to build a little bit differently. So if I start a project with you, we can work with ways that you've done things. Every once in a while, I might ask for something that you either haven't done or, or would be different um, and, and everybody weighs the balance. But then you're invested, I'm invested, the homeowner's invested, everybody on the team is happy because we've all figured out what's important. And then when we have budget discussions, it's actual real materials based on what you're getting from your suppliers. But it's also taking into account ways that you can do this project more cost effectively because your team has perfected something or done something a certain number of ways. And if it's apples to apples, then there's no reason for the homeowner to spend more money with me designing something that you're not going to build that way or for you to say, okay, well, we're going to build it the way the architect drew it because that's what they drew. And yet there could have been a, a simpler, easier, more cost-effective way to do it. So I tell everybody who wants to work with me, who comes to me that they have to pick a builder and similar to you is, I sit down with them, have a meeting and I'll say, okay, if you don't have a contractor, here are three names, like go out, meet them, see if you like them. Um, in design, they might sit with me for three to six months, but they might see you every day for 12 months or more. And they have to feel confident that that builder both understands what their goals are, but can also respond to them in whatever they need. Um, I don't know how it is in your area, but in Maine, a lot of our clients live out of state. And so half the time they would be communicating with somebody who isn't there to come to the job site to answer questions. So they just need to be able to know that they can get whatever information they need. And some of my clients are totally different. You know, I have some engineering clients who need to know every detail. And I have, you know, I have another client from California who's like, who's been to the site once, and is like, we love you guys. We designed everything online together. And like, we're, we're, we're building them a house. And they're just completely confident in the weekly, this is what happened on site. This is the decisions we need to make. These are the professionals that you hired. Here's the team that we have. And that's been awesome. So every client is different. How they use their space is different. And so I work the same way that you do, which is that the team has to be together during the design. It gets everybody a better project. And as an industry, we need to start working on this more. Like the builder and architect should be good friends. They shouldn't be adversaries. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, is that common for Like, is it, I would say that you're uncommon in the world of architecture, uh, at least in my experience here. Uh, is that uncommon? in your area uh, for? No, it sounds pretty uh, familiar. Like I remember um, 
I had a designer sit across a desk from me at one point and said, what I do is, is, is the most important thing. He's like, what you do is, is okay, but what I do is the most important thing. <laughs> and he said that to me. And if I hadn't talking to, spoken to my wife before I went into that meeting, it probably would have went very differently. So I just bit my tongue and, and just didn't work with this person ever again. However, um, it is, you know, it, it's interesting because there's a million people or parts that need to come together for a house to, to come to reality. Right. It's, it's a, it's like, it's amazing that anything ever gets built. Right. Even if you just think of where everything comes from and if you want to like trace it all the way back, like it's crazy, but even just within the amount of people involved in the physical project, people need to get along. And at the end of the day, we're all on the same team and there's, there's no reason why we need to be arguing with each other. Right. It's not, um, if, if I don't agree with the design, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to necessarily call out the architect in front of, or the designer in front of the homeowner, right? It's a conversation outside of that, get on the same page, and then you talk to the homeowner, right? That, that just to me is common sense, but I know it's not necessarily uh, common sense for everybody. And at the same time, though, once again, just like clients are different, sub-trades are different, architecture, everybody is different. And at the end, we're all dealing with different things, right? Maybe I'm having a bad day and uh, you say the wrong thing to me or vice versa, right? It's just things like that happen when we're dealing with humans. We just have to understand that things are complicated (laughs) because we don't know why we do things sometimes. Yeah. And uh, the better we can, you know, my my wife's a a therapist by trade, a a family child therapist is what she was doing before. She's not doing that anymore, but she was trained in psychology, right? She has her master's in clinical psychology. So when she started going to school years ago, uh, I was, and I was starting a business. And so 10 years ago at this point, uh, I said, you know, I don't, I don't need to know that, right? That's, that stuff's not as important. I just need to, you know, focus on my job. That's all I do now, right? Everything I do is, is psychology, right? I'm, I'm managing people. I'm managing emotions. I'm managing myself, uh, which is the most important person to manage. Everything I do is understanding the human brain and making decisions and why we do what we do. Yeah. I've often heard it referred to that, you know, architecture is like being a marriage counselor. I think that it's any type of residential building is basically counseling. However you have to deal with it, whether it's the homeowner, the design team, the subcontractors, like you said, you're managing all of those people's and personalities and just giving yourself the grace to remember that sometimes you do have a bad day and you react really quickly. And then you're like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that I, you know, was frustrated or, or whatever. Um, and, and it's really important to be a people person in this trade. I was actually uh, talking with another architect earlier and that's basically what she said. Like you, you have to, you have to be a people person. You have to be good with working with people to be in the construction industry because I've been talking a lot. Construction um, people are not all t- people. They're not <laughs> all people. They, they, they really are not. And um, it, it's so hard for me because as an industry, we have a lot of people who aren't getting into this industry. And I, you know, you just want to remind them that there are so many different things that you can do in the construction industry, whether it's project management, or you're an architect, or you're a builder, or you're a finished carpenter, or you're a plumber or an electrician. There's, there's so many interest levels and, you know, just being a people person. So there are are people who maybe would never get into the construction industry because they don't realize that that's a skill that that would be really great. If you're really good at at working with other people, that might be more important than what you have learned in the past. And so we've been talking about how do we get the next generation, you know, way back into middle school, interested in getting into the construction industry and starting to value it as something cool and exciting to be in. I mean, those of us that are doing it think it's cool and exciting. So we keep talking about it. And I recorded a podcast a couple of weeks ago with another architect who said, you know, he had somebody, he had an architect come into his school, talk about architecture, show them SketchUp. And he was, I was hooked. He's like, I didn't even know that was something that I could do or would have been interested in. And then this person came and showed me what they did. And then I was hooked. And so that's part of the reason why I do this podcast is, is to just start talking about, I have to say that when people ask me what I do and they're like, oh, you're an architect, I have 
often heard, oh, that's so cool. I wanted to go to architecture school too, but I didn't. And I was like, oh, and then you're like, well, why didn't you? Um, and the, one of the answers I hear more often than not is, oh, I thought it would be a lot of math, uh, <laughs> which I mean, yeah, I, I do math, but I wouldn't say that, that I'm like a math teacher doing math all day. Like the math is practical to what I'm doing. So it applies to something. So it can be interesting. I do more math in the building science realm than I do in the building realm. So, um, I don't know. I, I think the one point I, I, I like to point out is the fact that like all these things that we're talking about for the most part are like the mechanics, right? It's the skills. It's stuff that can be, that uh, you can learn. Um, Cause even in the building science world, you know, I, I made a comment, you know, I was kind of commenting on people, uh, people person in the construction industry, but in the building science world, there's a lot of people that are very similar that are not very good at people skills that I've had to deal with. And they're just very much like ego, like I'm right and you're wrong. And it's just, anyways, I'll get into it right now. Uh, <laughs> But uh, no matter what I find, uh, and this goes for everything like life, business, no matter what industry you're in, it's 80% psychology and 20% mechanics. And that's what we're looking for when we're even hiring people, right? Yeah, I, I don't, you know, obviously it's important that you understand the mechanics or, but what's more importantly uh, is that you can kind of learn it quickly and you don't forget it. But how, how are you as a person? How... Uh, what is your psychology? Like, how do you treat other people? How do you manage that portion of it? Because that is a lot harder to learn because that, that goes beyond uh, just having to, you know, slap up a, a wall or rip down a wall or plumb in a toilet, whatever it may be. That to me is all easily trained. It's, it's all those other habits that we've, these these subconscious habits that we were talking about at the beginning that we've that we've uh, subconsciously picked up throughout our life because we weren't paying attention right we weren't aware of that so i think everything we do in life whether it's uh, being an architect and running your own business or a contractor or subcontractor whatever it may be if you work on yourself if you start to understand yourself everything else becomes easier yeah i am um, i love to read and so i read building science books, architecture books, business books. And I was reading one book, business book and I don't even remember what it was talking about, but I was thinking like, I picked up this business book because I'm in business for myself. But as I was reading it, they were talking about how so many of these principles also just make you a good employee. There are plenty of people who don't want to own their own business, but understanding this, the, how the business runs makes you a better employee. You know, understanding the awareness of this thing that you have makes you a better employee. And I often wonder if there are just a lot of people who are working jobs that they don't really like because they felt like they had to go into that or they, they ended up there, um, you know? And so that was the one thing about COVID and being home and, and maybe having the opportunity to change the direction of what you're doing. I don't know. Um, it, it certainly gave me a, an opening to start doing other different things with the BS and beer show. And, um, I've had a bunch of really great podcast guests on recently, which is super exciting. Uh, and today you convinced me to record video. So we're going to give this a whirl, <laughs> right? So, um, and I always say, uh, when I'm talking mechanics of things, like there isn't one way to do something. And so it depends when somebody asks me like, Oh, well, you know, what's the right WRB? I'm like, well, it depends. And I think that the way that you're approaching business is, is a similar way. It's like, well, like, you know, it depends on how you react to this or what position you might be in or what you thought you might've been good at. Um, and you know, my business coach often says like, you know, you, you seem to really enjoy the teaching aspect of it. I'm like, I do like teaching. Teaching mm -hmm. is fun. That's that I learn as much from my students as I do, you know, because they teach you about how you're teaching. Like it might not be about the subject, but you know, it's a lot of great feedback on, um, you know, especially when you're teaching building science to someone who's, who's not, um, who's just learning architecture. So they don't even quite yet understand how buildings go together. And then you're teaching them building science and you're, you're, I'm talking away and all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, everybody's eyes glazed over back it up. <laughs> right? Well, I think that's when you become a, a better student too, is when you, when you're forced to teach or when you put yourself in a position to teach, 
you have to make sure that you understand it better. Right. And by, by, by teaching it actually helps you learn. Right. So if you want to teach, learn, if you want to learn, teach, uh, is kind of what I always thought as well. That's cool. So you're building houses, custom houses in, in Canada, uh, conscious building. I know it looks like you do passive house, uh, R2000, net zero energy star. Um, so what is R2000? I know I asked you this before we started recording, uh, but I, I think this is funny. This is a Canadian standard. Yeah, it's, it's another building standard, just like any of the other ones that right, you have to basically check the boxes off and, and hit a certain performance rating. Uh, it hasn't done that well in Canada. Like they haven't really done a good job of marketing it, like not like Energy Star, for example. But, you know, if you're thinking of, at least here, we have, you know, minimum building code. The next level up would be uh, Energy Star. Then you would fall into LEED certification, but that varies because they have different certifications. But LEED also focuses on material, not necessarily efficiency. So what I'm mm -hmm. thinking, what I'm kind of laying out right now is more of the efficiency. What are the most efficient homes? R2000 would kind of follow the net zero and then passive house. And like at the end of the day, we... We've done our 2000 homes, but now with uh, CHBA's new standard, uh, Canadian Home Building Association with net zero, that seems to be the one that makes the most sense for the custom homes. Uh, we do a lot of renovations too, but we don't necessarily get into the certifications. We do model the homes and we wanna make sure that we're hitting certain air tightness and that sort of, uh, and an underground rating system, which is different than the US where you have the HERS system. Um, but here we have the underguide, so we might have a target that we're aiming for on that. Um, but it's it's a little bit it's a little bit different. So it's just another building standard that if somebody were to go for that seems to be kind of disappearing with this new net zero coming at least in from what I'm seeing. Yeah, we're we're finding um, pretty good houses getting a lot of traction because people want to build. Uh, you know, basically, like you said, they want to build the best thing that they can afford based on what is really critically important to them, but they don't necessarily want a certification. Um, they don't want to say, you know, they don't want to have to meet the metrics of, of one of these because maybe the values that they have uh, work partially for one certification and partially in another. And so it gets complicated. Um, mm -hmm. And so pretty good house, uh, funny name, um, but... <laughs> has kind of picked up for us, which is basically like improving the efficiency and the carbon drawdown as much as we can until it financially or whatever no longer makes sense for that client. And so that's more of what we've been focusing on is that our clients haven't been as interested in making sure that they can hit a certification program. They just want a really good house and they want to hire somebody who understands how to put together a really good house, something that's durable, something that's efficient. Um, you know, and in, in my case, we talk about everything from, you know, are, are you an early morning riser? We're not going to put the master bedroom on the East side. If you're, a, if you like to sleep in or you work nights or, or something. So we like to talk about how, how you really are going to use the space. How does that connect with nature and all of that? So what are you focusing on mostly, uh, or, or what, what are your clients coming to you for? Uh, what's your primary focus right now? Well, people come to us because of the efficiency side of things, but also because of materials, some of them will be more conscious about materials. A lot of them are more on the efficient side, uh, but where what I talk to people about most now is comfort. The I think by default, if you if you can build a comfortable home, by default you will have an efficient home, right? I've stopped talking about energy savings and all that because it it you can't really make financial sense of it, right? And when we're building homes, we are although we think we're making financial decisions, we're not. We're making emotional decisions. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? And we're trying to uh, make sense of them with our large logical part of our brain with the numbers side. So yes, numbers are important. I get it. Like there is still a bottom line that we need to hit. But at the end of the day, if somebody really wants something, they're going to find the money. Right. That's just, that's just how it works. Uh, so we're kind of focused on comfort. You know, what do they want? Uh, like we're not doing the same that you're doing. Like we're not as involved with the design in terms of Sure. You know, I think those questions are important. That's why I leave it to architects like yourself to mm -hmm. ask those questions. And I know that you have probably have a list of questions that you go through as you start going through the design. 
I, I let that happen. And then I'll offer my input where we need to more on the construction side. How does the wall assembly going to go together? How are we going to continue this air barrier all the way through? Where's the solar panels going to go? Like all those other yep. uh, construction details. That's what we help with. But at the end of the day, all those details that we're working on are for one thing, and that is comfort. And people, even in this industry, uh, most our subtrades that we work with regular get it. Uh, they get it now. But when we did our first pass of certified passive house seven years ago, they were all laughing at me and making fun of me for wearing Birkenstocks, which I don't even wear, by the way, or own. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they all think that though. I mean, it's but, a, but now, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely that way. Uh, you know, and people laugh at me and they say that and they like, a lot of the people that we work with now, they'll rib me and they're like, Oh, that architect, you know, and they'll say something funny. Um, <clears> but but they'll look at me and they're kind of questioning it or whatever. I'm actually building, um, so Maine is a really, really rural state. Like most of our population lives in the bottom third of the state. If you build pretty much anywhere else, you're going to run into a lot more of the, we've been building it this way for 25 years, um, a third generation builder. So they got, you know, maybe trained by uh, their father who was trained by their grandfather we have a lot of lumber companies because we have a lot of wood here and so most people go into the lumber companies they get all of their materials and the lumber companies kind of say this is what we're doing so i'm building this house and and it's really exciting um the homeowner actually has uh we have to build her as healthy of a house as we can because she has some allergic reaction to some petroleum which there's petroleum in literally everything i mean we have had to rethink about every material we've used you know on our concrete forms do we use a different release agent for the forms so that you know it's a so i I literally everything thinking about how uh it all goes together and so i send the plans to the builder he's um he's a third generation builder but he's younger and super excited and he's like i know i'm gonna learn something from this process and i'm like okay great that's all i that's all i really expect you know you to say is you're gonna learn something and so he takes it to the lumber company and the guy at the lumber company is like why would you want to build this this thing's gonna be a petri dish blah 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 (laughs) which thankfully he's like she says this is what we're doing so this is what we're doing and i was like yeah, it would be a Petri dish if we didn't have ventilation and we didn't have, you know, all the other things. I'm like, yes, we are building differently, but we're addressing all of these concerns that we have in that. But we run into that a lot with, with trades who haven't kind of come up to, and it's getting better. I I mean, it sounds like your Canadian national building standard is moving towards net zero. Um, We still don't have codes in some parts of Maine. So it's a, been a little bit more of a slog for us to to try to get on board um but i'm also hoping that this has given people the push to to do a little bit better because unfortunately you can't afford to live in maine if you have to put a lot into the energy because when it's negative 15 degrees in february it's cold mm-hmm. and you either yeah. have to like to chop wood or like to pay for oil <laughs> Right. Yeah, we, we're similar here. I think what what's important to like this comes back to the psychology, and I get it. Right. So I sit on I sit on boards and uh, and I sit around the table with bigger builders, and they're pushing back, but they have sub trades because we're trying to change. We're trying to improve an industry that has been doing it the same way for years. Right. And just by default, humans don't like change. We like to be comfortable. I was already talking about comfort, right? But uh, in business and in, in terms of growing, uh, I'm actually, although I want my house to be comfortable, everything else I do in my life basically makes me uncomfortable <laughs> because that forces <laughs> me to grow, right? So uh, I think I heard a good, good quote the other day and is someone, I think what happens is that we get stuck in our ways, right? And somebody will say, well, I've been doing this for 25 years. I have 25 years experience. Well, that's not necessarily true if you're looking at growth, in my opinion. If you've been doing it the same way for 25 years, that's not 25 years of experience. That's probably one year of experience that you've repeated 25 times. Now, if you're growing and you're changing every year, now you can say you have 25 years of experience, right? I don't necessarily say this to the subtrades unless I know that they're going to be open to it, right? Or people who are, are, I'm sure, listening to your podcast are going to be open to hearing stuff like this. Right. Click for them, right? Because the people who are stuck in their ways... Uh, are not growing, are not listening and learning things like this. Yeah. Um, 
I belong to a forum of architects. There's a, a gentleman who started a group to start talking about the business of architects. Like as a profession, we have a tendency not to share with each other, which is really terrible. And that's just a following along with the history with the AIA and everything that happened in our profession. But he started this and he's like, let's start sharing. Like, let's not reinvent the wheel every time. And, and it always, um, always strikes me as really disappointing when someone's like, you know, I developed all these details of how I like to put together my house and now I can't do it because I have to meet, you know, some energy code or energy standard. And I'm like, this is an opportunity for us to figure out how to recreate that in a new way. That should be exciting. That should be yeah. redoing the design. Like why do you want to be an architect if you're doing the same thing over and over again? Now, granted, we have tried to um, you know, make some systems and some repeatable details that we do to make it cost effective and easy to, to replicate, you know, we don't want to reinvent the wheel every single time, but we want to grow with technology and the improvement in the building industry so that we're making better choices as we move forward. I mean, a couple of years ago, we weren't talking about carbon at all. And we thought we were doing mm -hmm. the best thing to make these buildings as energy efficient as possible so that over the 30 year mortgage lifespan, when you were talking um, efficiency, you were like, yeah, absolutely. We've reduced operational energy in these buildings over the 50 or 100 year timeline, whatever you were using at the time. So we're like, we're doing great because we're reducing operational energy. And then we started looking at carbon and we're like, oh man, that house that's filled with spray foam has such a carbon deficit to the environment that it mm -hmm. doesn't matter what it does over the next hundred years because the deficit on day one is so bad that you know we've we've created some other issue. And so in my mind, it's not growing if you don't start thinking about some of these things as we move forward, whether it's climate change, whether it's efficiency, whether it's how you build, whatever it is as you move forward. If, you, if you're still just kind of doing it the same way, like it's just not even exciting anymore. That's not why I became an architect. <laughs> I yeah. think I'm an architect. Eventually you'll fall behind because there's going to be somebody else who will be willing to change, who will be wanting to do that. And uh, will continue to to pick up those clients because people start to change as other people start to ask for different things as well. Well, and as those of us who have been interested in energy efficiency, we'll just cruise through any code updates. When the code does eventually catch up and they have to do it, it's going to be a much bigger struggle to, you know, if you look at the, in the United States, I think the 2021 code that they're trying to, to pass, which will get passed in some parts of the country and not in others, but um, the 2021 code, I think, isn't that far off of Passive House. And so for people who have been building net zero and efficient houses for the last 10 years, moving to that would be a successful transition because they figured it out 10 years ago, the, the hard things, you know, it's always really difficult the first time, but every successive one has gotten easier. Um, but what's that going to do to our trade when we already have people not getting into the industry? So I just worry about yeah. that. Well, Passive House too is interesting. Um, like, yeah, I don't know what your building code is. Like Passive House though is going to vary from depending on where you live, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Passive Houses that we've built here in Ottawa, our walls, like my house was not this house that I'm in, the one that we had sold it a couple of years ago, but our walls were R73 and a half. Uh, our attic was R120. Uh, we had R30 under this. That's what we had to hit because we have extremely cold winters and extremely hot, humid summers. Uh, another house, we had our 90 walls in another house in the city, right? So that like, it's overkill. It's definitely overkill. There, there's a sweet spot somewhere in there, but it also depends on where you live. Like minimum building code here is probably not far off of passive house in California, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, at least from an insulation, not necessarily an air tightness uh, standpoint, uh, but from the amount of insulation that's required. So there's, there are things, I think it comes down to just working with whatever makes sense for that area. Like, where is that sweet spot? And I've always said, like, if there's going to be massive change, it has to be forced, right? We, we are in this situation right now, COVID-19, nobody could control it. We were basically forced to start changing our businesses, right? The way we operate our business uh, was changed overnight. The three businesses that I'm involved with, every single one of them changed overnight. Um, Obviously in construction, there's only so much we can do, but the way I do it, 
I'm really efficient now because I do a lot of meetings like this. It's great. So I, I have a reason to not get in my truck and drive anywhere, which is also great for the environment, right? So, <laughs> um, but people will kick and scream uh, for the first little while and then they get used to it and now it becomes the new normal. Uh, and I think somebody needs to stick their neck out there and say, no, this has to be done. This is the building code. Learn how to do it. That's, that's just the way we're going to do it. And using COVID and online meetings is a great way to explain that because everybody really fussed about it at the very beginning doing these online meetings. And what a lot of people have figured out is that doing online video conferencing is actually a great way to do things. Uh, it's been fantastic for us because everybody's looking at the same thing, whatever we're sharing on the screen, we can still see each other. So it feels personal, but you're looking at the same thing on the screen. So it's a very focused, very detailed meeting. Um, you can record it, which you can't record a live meeting, at least not in, in any good format. So you can record the meeting so you can go back if you missed it. Oh yeah, what did they say? I forgot to write a note about this or that. And so people are finding that they can do this, that that office space that they've been renting that was X number of dollars every month is kind of obsolete. They don't really need that, you know, and they, they, in the last three months have put, you know, a hundred miles on their car, right? Cause the only place they go is from their house to the grocery store in fact, because you can't go anywhere else or, you know, you haven't, yeah. you haven't gone to a job site. And so hopefully that's going to, you know, remind people. And I agree there, there has to be massive change that just says, this is what we're going to do. Um, I'm a firm believer in licensed trades. I think more people will be interested in construction if it's a licensed trade. You know, you see people going into the trades that then want to be electricians and plumbers because that's a licensed trade. Um, they don't have to be licensed in Maine? No. Uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. See, he didn't even know that was a thing. They don't have to be licensed in Maine. And so, um, and then by licensure, instituting some continuing education that is, um, local and easy to do. So it doesn't have to be some certification where you got to travel a long way to get the continuing education that you need. And it needs to be, um, you're kind of location specific. That was a big issue that I had when I first got into the building science industry is in the United States, you could get the same window everywhere in the country. And that was it. I'm like, but this is the Northeast. I want a really high solar heat gain coefficient so I can use it to help with some ambient heating in my space. And it's like, nope, here's this low E window for you. I'm like, I don't want a low E window. <laughs> so that has luckily gotten better, but it was something that I've talked about a lot on the podcast this season is we have eight climate zones and some states have like five of those eight climate zones in them. So you can't be like, oh, I work in Colorado. Well, where in Colorado do you work? Because if you're in the mountains, you're one standard. If you're in the lowlands, you might be in zone three. So what's appropriate for your climate zone um, and, and plan sets, you're right. Everybody is different and unique. And so a lot of times a plan set doesn't fit, but um, I always dislike when someone comes to you and says like, oh, this is the plan that I kind of want. And you look at it and you go, especially for you, if people come to you with like a plan set that was clearly for Florida and you're like, yeah, that's great. Kind of not going to work here. Uh, structurally not going to hold up the snow load we have, or, you know, thermally, we have to make these walls so thick that the rooms then are no longer, you know, a space requirement. And so if you're going to do plan sets, could we please just coordinate them for the zone in which you live <laughs> so that yeah. you know, we can, get over the hurdle of like, this is a whole custom design. It's great that you like that. If that's really the house that you have to have, then move somewhere where you can build that. <laughs> that's not usually a kind answer. People don't like when I say <laughs> that to them. <laughs> um, tread lightly, yeah. Tread lightly. Well, cause that was another thing that came up. I actually think on BS and beer um, might've been on the podcast. I don't know all this building science recently. I get confused <laughs> where I talk to who about what, but I don't even know what day of the week it is. It's all good. I know. I thought it was Friday this morning and then I was texting uh, somebody else and I mentioned something and they were like, I thought it was Wednesday. I thought I lost a whole day of the week. So none of us know what day of the week it is anymore. <laughs> um, but they had said, 
you know, if the barrier to entry to building in somewhere like Maine, which is not nearly as cold as where you are, is a certain level of efficiency, if you can't afford to build a new house or a new building to that efficiency, then maybe you shouldn't be building in that area, you know? So it's probably- Yeah, a- and, I, and I think the other thing too, depending, uh, there's two sides to that, right? When you're talking about the carbon footprint portion of it, sometimes the most- sometimes the best home for the environment is the home that's already built. Yeah. Right. So I have a lot of conversations. Building a custom home is not cheap. It's expensive. It doesn't matter if we're building a passive or R2000 or, or net zero or anything. Or code, building, really. Yeah, I mean, code, like just building, building to code passive. is expensive. Yeah. Building a, or sorry, building a custom home is expensive. And that's a lot of conversations that I have with people. They're like, well, here's what we want to do. And we want to, you know, our max budget is 600 for the house and the, and the lot. And I'm like, Lots around here are at least 250000 for an empty lot. I'm like there goes half of your budget. Uh, factor start, remove HST, remove all, like all this stuff. We have, you know, 13% tax on everything here. Like it's, we got enough left for a tiny home and a little addition on that sort of thing, right? So <laughs> right, th- those are conversations that go, obviously, I, I, it's part of the education process. But then that leads into why not renovate, right? Why not find a home where you don't have to do, uh, do all the site work. You don't have to pay the development charges. You don't have to uh, put, dig a hole. You don't have to put the foundation in, right? You, you find a home that has good bones in an area that you like that already has certain things done. And then we renovate it. We can do, is it going to be as good as if we built a brand new? No, but it could probably check off the budget portion of your requirements. And we'll try and get as many of those other priorities as we possibly can. And it's actually probably better for the environment at the end of the day, because you'll be able to maybe put a little bit more money towards better products and healthier products. Yeah. We've had that conversation a lot because uh, renovation is usually the the best way to get it most economically. And that sometimes the answer isn't improving the efficiency of that structure. I mean, yes, you want to do some stuff, some durability. Um, The hardest part that we have is um, there's a lot of junk that was built, (laughs) which is tough. And some of it, um, I don't know if you have this problem. I don't know. People here seem to think that their basement is just something aside from the rest of their house. So like, it's just this thing that, that holds up the house, kind of like the yard or whatever. And so plenty of people have mold issues, like major mold issues that they just never addressed that, you know, they haven't dealt with condensation in the lower space. It's unheated. They, you know, maybe they take the old boiler out that used to warm that space and keep everything temperate. And they put in a more efficient boiler, not realizing that that used to give heat to the space. And now they've got some kind of condition. Um, and so there's a lot of stuff that, um, hasn't held up durability wise. And so to renovate some of that stuff, they have to start, you know, you get something that's riddled with mold at that point, you're gutting it anyway, which is unfortunate. Um, but that there's nothing on the market. So that's been the hardest part here recently is that the lack of inventory has been a problem. Um, and I'm particular, we moved, my husband and I moved to kind of an interesting area of Maine. We live on the coast and in this coastal area, there's a lot, there's not a lot of industry. So there's fishing and there's out of staters. And that's sort of what we've got here. And I made him look at 50 houses before I picked one that I was like, I could work with this. So (laughs) I mean, I'm probably pickier than, than most people. My, my, I don't even want to say it was a wish list, but my, my understanding of how the building, like it had to have a good layout. It didn't have to be big. I think our real estate agent must've thought I was crazy because I couldn't just give her a list of what I wanted because it was sort of an, if then that, like if it's a small house and it doesn't have room for my office, I'll rent an office. If it has a good layout and it works for this point, this point, and this point. But sounds like the conversation I was having with my wife the other weekend. I'm like, I just need to get clear on what you need. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So I think that she must've thought I was crazy because I was just like, I think you're just going to have to show me all the things because I can look at the online listings and I can look at the pictures and I can get a general idea. So I know what I'm not going to like. So if I send it to you, it has some kind of merit and it might be 
completely different than anything else. Like it could be a thousand square feet and the next one we go and look at might be 2,500 square feet and they may have no, nothing that's relatable to, to so so I think I was probably I'm hardly right. laughing because I just saw your your cat my dog or <laughs> your dog yeah, yeah. I can <laughs> I had the door closed in case they were making noise upstairs uh and he decided to push the door open and, and come in <laughs> anyway he spends most of his time in the office with me yeah uh, you probably saw my little guy playing through the glass doors behind I me. did he's checking it out what are you doing in there yeah <laughs> um yeah, so I guess there's, there's at the end of the day, right? Um, I think it's going to vary depending on where you live, right? And it's just a matter of, once again, finding the right people, taking the time to build the right team and figuring out what works best for you, right? Coming back to that word conscious. It, it, I think and that's where I think it's really important to continue to work on ourselves because when we work on ourselves, we, come, we know what we then like and what we don't like and we can kind of explain it better. And when we know ourselves better, then we can... Uh, better understand others too. And when they can't explain, it's like, ah, I get where you're coming from. I was just dealing with that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I found that in a lot of times that, you know, the whole thought process, they come into it and they're like, yeah, I don't want that. And then you sit there and you explain to them, you know, the whys and hows and you know, why you feel like it's important. And people are always like, you make building science sound so interesting. I'm like, that's because to me, it is interesting. Like I'm always trying to improve that part. I'm always going to be um, a continued student learning. I mean, I have done almost all of the energy certifications. And when I took the passive house course, he, he was actually like, why are you here? I'm like, cause you're going to teach me something. I don't know. I don't know what it is yet, but you're going to teach me like, do I understand the basics of building science and the underlying things of passive house? Yeah, absolutely. But you're going to teach me something that passive house does that I don't know yet. And I want to know that. And then I can apply that to something else that I'm doing. And it's why I read business books and getting better at business. And, you know, it, and why I was like, okay, well, we'll video record this because, hey, you know what? That might be the the next thing I need to do. And so I'm I'm right there with you on on constantly learning and constantly improving. And I always tell people, I'm like, I don't know everything. <laughs> I wish yeah. I did, but I don't know everything. So that, as soon as you think you do, then you, then you're done. Yeah. I think that knowing that you don't know everything just opens you up to awareness that you're willing to learn something new, uh, which is fun. So, um, I don't want to take up a ton of your time. I always like to end the podcast on references. And, uh, usually I ask somebody for a good book or a good recommendation on that. I want you to first tell us about all of the other places that they can learn more from you. Cause it sounds like you do a podcast and you do some YouTube videos. So, so that first, and then aside from the things that you're doing, um, um, are there other places that you like to go to, to learn more or open, especially because you, we talked about building science and we're obviously both kind of in that, uh, energy profession, but, um, the way you describe it and consciousness is maybe a little bit different than just learning about building science. And so any references that you have to that would be, uh, unique and new to podcast listeners. Yeah, for sure. And so in terms of where we can find us, we're pretty much everywhere. Just Google the conscious builder and we should pop up. Everything's through our website. Um, but I think where you'll find the most valuable information is likely on our YouTube channel. So that's once again called the conscious builder. Uh, we are uh, in the process of doing something that's pretty exciting that will continue to help people in business uh, in the uh conscious building world, sustainable building world, anything to do with that uh, called the Conscious Builder Academy. So if you do want to learn more about that, that's going to be ConsciousBuilderAcademy.com. Um, once again, everything's online. There I've actually started a list of books too that have helped me uh, over the years and it's just starting to be populated. So you could probably go there. But in terms of where I go to get my information, um, part of what, I, I can't say I've ever read any building science books to be honest. I just, I'm, I learn by doing it, right? That's, I, yeah. I read every single day, but those aren't the books that I read because that's what I do day in and day out. Sure. Uh, so those, I kind of, I, I learn by interacting with energy advisors and architects and having to actually work through the, 
the importance of the assembly and actually the details, right? So that's kind of how I've learned that part of it. It's similar to the reason why I got into carpentry is because I, I love learning. I don't like sitting in a classroom and learning. That's just yeah. not how I learn. I'd rather go out there, get my hands dirty and actually do something. And then it clicks for me and I can learn really quickly. Yeah. And that's just me knowing me, right? So I know what I, what I liked at the time when I got into it, I didn't really know why I liked that sort of stuff. But then it started to click, right? right. As I started to do all this other stuff. Um, but in terms of a couple of books that have really helped me, the, um, I shall back up a little bit. One thing that's, that's helped me a lot is I actually meditate regularly. Uh, so reading and meditating and, and journaling. I haven't done that as much lately, but I actually went over a year where I blogged and it's all public. It's on caseygray.com. You can also go there and you'll find everything that I'm, that I'm working on. Uh, but I've written over 400 blog posts uh, just to get, get it out there. And it just, once again, it was just one of those growth things that I had to do for myself, right? I just, I'm better at just doing it. Uh, so I definitely recommend looking into anything that gets you started with that. I think whatever you do in life, learning uh, how to meditate or just understanding the importance of it is a huge help. And I actually just interviewed uh, a person named uh, Vish Shattery recently, and he has a book called The Business Casual Yogi, which you might appreciate because it's a business book. Um, but he kind of brings what he's learned in the Ayurvedic world, which I'm starting to learn about into the business world because his background is in tech, right? And I could really relate with him and his book. And I don't think, oh yeah, I have it here. I'm going to do a plug for him. <laughs> um, That's actually, awesome. if anybody, I don't know what you do for your podcast. So I have uh, some signed copies coming from Vish. Uh, so if anybody wants to share this podcast or wherever you put it out there, you tell me, you pick a winner and we'll mail them a signed copy of the book. That's awesome. That sounds like exactly the type of book that I would read. Um, because I, I've read actually a bunch of building science books because I read everything. Um, but like you, at the end of the day, I want to read things that interest and improve my mind that are not what I do all day long. And I am also a really visual learner and I don't like to sit in the office all day, which I think is part of the reason why I started my own business is I want to go to the job site. I want to find out what went well, what didn't go well. Um, and, and what somebody else did, because if I draw it, uh, uh, on a drawing set, and nobody ever tells me that it was either difficult to install or it didn't work well, then I don't know. And then I keep replicating something that's bad. So I really like to go out to the job site and talk to everybody on the site to find out like, what could I have done better? What would have been more interesting? Was there too much detail on here? And you were like, I never look at this sheet. Um, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think it was in reference to an article that Justin wrote in Fine Home Building, which was, maybe we should just have QR codes on our drawings that link to like a really short eight minute video of somebody installing exactly what you're doing. Like, would that be more, Smart. would that be more useful? I mean, when, especially with YouTube, I feel like whenever I don't know how to do something, I will go to YouTube and I'll Google it and I'll find out if I can figure out how to fix it or install it or build it or, um, you know, Everybody, it seems like during COVID-19 is building uh, or is doing a sourdough starter and making sourdough bread. Like, did you go to YouTube and find out if your sourdough starter, like, if it looks like this, is that okay? You know, it's just, so I feel like it should be pretty easy. Who doesn't have a smartphone on a job site and can't take eight minutes and then go, okay, I get it. Um, maybe it's me and the type of learning that I do, but I'm definitely a visual and hands-on learner. So sometimes a 2D drawing may not tell you what you need to know. Like it might be detailed and it might show tape and flashing. But if I show you a video of, you know, our friend Ben installing the window, then you're like, oh, uh, okay, I get it now. I see how that, you know, goes around that corner or how that flashing detail works. And so I always thought that that, that would be a really cool way to, you know, like eight minute shorts on different installations. Yeah. Cool. I think it's a great idea. Let, let me know if you want us to make some videos for you to throw into your plans. I do. <laughs> I want you to do that. Absolutely. I think that send would me, be Send me the amazing. videos that we need and we'll, uh, we'll make them. 
for for whatever for the pretty good home or whatever whatever else you need to work on. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, you don't know what you just agreed to because uh, there's actually that's that what was... we do, right? So I, we got we have Brian uh, who works for us full time. You don't hear his name very much. He's in the he likes being in the background, but he's working for us full time, just doing all of our videos, all of our podcasts. Uh, and kind of helping us get the word out. And Kaylee's really out there getting the word out who reached out to you, right? So um, we're very much doing, this is our way of giving back to an industry that's really done well for us. Uh, We want to, we know that we can't do everything. We are all working together, right? We're talking across, you know, in different countries right now. Uh, If we can help you, uh, then we want to do that. If we can help people in your area. Once again, we know we don't know everything, but by doing these types of things, we're going to be forced to learn something new, right? So yeah, yeah, I think that's great. And so that's absolutely a book that I would pick up. I love Ayurvedic medicine. I love uh, yoga and meditation. I do a lot of that stuff, which is maybe why uh, when when you guys reached out, I was like, yes, absolutely. I want to talk to you because that's exactly uh, how I want to approach things. So I yoga for all the construction workers out there as as you know, in the Western world, it's, you know, mostly women in tight pants. Um, but <laughs> it's actually does amazing for the body, right? So um, definitely well, work. If anybody who's got any pain, I'm not going to say I'm an expert in that either, but uh, there's all sorts of stories out there or it's helped people. Yeah. Well, and, you know, in the construction industry, because it's hard on your body, but also um, what I think people are learning now, especially with COVID-19 and not getting up and kind of leaving the office spaces. We're also not meant to sit all day either. So yoga is definitely great for, for office people. And I can attest to that, that, you know, short hip flexors because you sit all day. It's just not a great thing. So (laughs) thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in to the E3 podcast. I hope you guys have been enjoying these episodes as much as I have. I've had some really interesting guests, a lot of great professionals in the building science and architecture and building realm. So thank you to all the guests that have been on. If you're enjoying the podcast, like and share on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or leave me a comment on the website. And if there's somebody you'd like to hear from or you'd like me to have on the podcast, send me an email, emily at matromarch.com. Otherwise, have a fantastic weekend and we'll see you again next week.